Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Weintrich. How are you doing? All right. Excellent. Yourself? Pretty hot and hot, hazy. Disgusting. Humid, humid, disgusting in New York. Uh, Tropical, you could say. Absolutely. It's almost like we're living in a rainforest, a city in the middle of a rainforest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jungly, for sure. (laughs) I don't think it's really out of character for New York summer, you know, to be so disgusting. And you think with this kind of weather, A, we'd be used to it, which we're not, and B, we would have more of a kind of tropical drinking history. Tiki drinks would be more popular here, but not really. It never really worked out here for some reason, or at least it, it it's had real ups and downs. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I have this theory that President Donald Trump kind of cursed the Big Apple. He closed Trader Vic's essentially in, in the Plaza Hotel um, in the late 80s. He had unbelievably called it tacky. Which, is, I, mean, <laughs> which I mean, pot kettle. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, a man known for his gold you know, bathroom yeah, fixtures. Yeah, exactly. At that point, Trader Vic's in the Plaza had been open for about 25 years Obviously, Trader Vic, French-Canadian. Yeah, French-Canadian. He opened a, a hamburger joint in Oakland, California, in Emeryville, which is part of Oakland. What was it Hinky Dinks or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, like, 1933. And wasn't doing great until he went down to Hollywood and saw Don the Beachcombers, the first tropical bar in Hollywood. Then he traveled around a little, yeah. went down to the Caribbean and came back and uh, started serving tropical drinks. And became very successful. And that spawned, like, not only a chain of Trader Mm -hmm. Vic's, but really, like, a whole phenomenon, cultural movement, you know. He was a natural salesman. Really, like, in the 50s, you know, everybody thinks it was this amazing time for cocktails, but it wasn't a great time, really, except for maybe martinis and tiki drinks. Yeah, those were the two poles, basically. You know, <laughs> martinis, Manhattans, maybe. Yeah. Even those were kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, it was either the cult of the dry martini or the tiki cult. And New York had some pretty deep roots with tropical stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, in the 1930s, you had the uh, Hawaiian room at the Hotel Lexington was hugely popular, and that had, like, live Hawaiian music and palm trees inside and you know this is on lexington avenue and 53rd street which is not a tropical paradise around there uh by any means mostly like big gray office buildings that place was very popular and there were a few other places there were a couple tropical bars there was uh monty prosers who uh, stole the zombie from don beach and promoted the hell out of it the hurricane bar that might have invented the hurricane cocktail and what I think is kind of amazing is that it wasn't just even drinks, it was food, too. Like Trader Vic's, you know, the restaurant, you know, people would go there for dinner, cocktails. In 89, the restaurant, I guess it had already been closed for mm-hmm. a year. The bar lived on. But when there were, you know, it was announced that Trump was closing, the, you know, the whole the last vestige of Trader Vic's Manhattan, you know, all these different people weighed in. Even Richard Nixon, like, issued a statement saying that his, you know, entire family would be sorry to see that it closed. Like, according to this amazing article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, I finally said, it was always our daughter's favorite restaurant. It's quickly became mine, too. You know, and yeah. I love this image of, you know, Tricky Dick Nixon, you know, sitting there eating, you know, poo-poo platter. Yeah, exactly. Thing, you know, yeah. Mai Tai. Yeah, with you a, know. Yeah, her scorpion bowl the that he's sharing with Nancy. Neck. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's not, although famously in another article I found, um, 
in the Daily News, it, they did allude to an incident, I guess. Food was, I guess, mostly bland, and at worst, Yul Brenner once, like, got food poisoning, supposedly, from, like, the spare ribs there. Ooh. So, like, he never, I guess that was a famous incident. Wow. You know? Yeah, you don't yeah. want to mess with the old Brenner. See, uh, I, I, I ate there a few times with, with my dad. And how was it? Was uh, it? The food was not particularly good. My my dad was a pretty establishment character, and you'd see a lot of other establishment oh, yeah. characters there. It was not bohemian. Uh, Trader <laughs> Vic's was expensive. Right. Uh, the food was sweet. Right. You know, it was covered in sweet, gloppy sauces. But it was kind of fun. Yeah. And, you know, I had the tropical drink. I'd have... I can't remember what. Uh, it's all the same. Probably. Yeah, it was all the same back, you know, <laughs> I was probably in my early 20s. I think it's funny because now we kind of see tiki cocktails as being kind of like a hipster thing. Mm -hmm. Where back in the heyday, it was really the man in the gray flannel suit, like after yeah. his job at like the advertising firm. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the guy who, you know, in, in his early 20s was being shelled by... Uh, Japanese heavy mortars on Peleliu, and then he comes back and goes to the tropical bar. And, and isn't it like isn't Trader Vic's strange. like the original? Like a lot of the the bar in Oakland was covered with all types of ephemera. Where's it? Oh, yeah. And a lot of it was being sent back by. Soldiers. Yeah, there's there's a there's a big Japanese rifle hanging over yeah. the bar of the Oakland one. Yeah, and you like, know it moved in 1972, but they kept all the stuff. Yeah. in the new location, and you go there now, and there's. This Arasaka rifle with a bayonet, the thing is like long and it's right. hanging over the bar. It's, right. the, it's the first thing you see. Wow. And it's like, yeah. okay. Whiskey was so tightly allocated during the war, you had to take a lot of rum, which yeah. wasn't. And they used a lot of rum, but they, but, you know, their clientele still wanted whiskey. Sure. So the extra rum they'd put in crates and send to whatever island we'd just captured right. and just say send send it to the officers club courtesy of trade effects <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and like coca-cola i know had made a pledge to keep coke i think it was a nickel a yeah. bottle and that yeah. obviously helped a rum and coke and yeah that was it very popular. popular and that song comes out was it the andrew sisters or whatever it is yeah and i think maury amsterdam who was on the dick van dyke show had something to do with that song yeah. too Maybe, which is very yeah. funny there were tiki bars in New York City, you know, and uh, now after Donald Trump's uh, closing of yeah. that, things kind of haven't worked out so well. There's a real, like, uproar when he announced that Trader Fix was going to close. Mm -hmm. People fought it. Like, I found a quote from the Journal News that said, tacky or not, Trader Vix, like the plaza itself, is a New York institution. Mm -hmm. People were very angry about it. It's closing out all of that anger kind of peters out about a year later or so yeah. i mean trump i'm not sure why he wanted it closed i don't maybe it just it seemed dated i guess at that point i, I don't well know. also it was uh popular with all the people who hated him right you know all the establishment <laughs> those people did not accept him so take this henry kissinger right. i'm closing your favorite right. restaurant <laughs> and then it, it hangs on to like april at that point like the only story i could really find was a tiny one mm -hmm. in the daily news about how they had some last big charity event stuff was being auctioned off for like the ronald mcdonald house and then it just sort of disappears and and that's that's april of 1990 there are a few tropical kind of tiki places that may be open and closed, but nothing seems to be able to stick around. I mean, there are a couple tiki bars that are perennial, but they're barely yeah. tiki. You know, there's there's one in, in Brooklyn that has been open for 
a decade and a half, but it's a dive bar. Right. You know, it's not a real, like, full-on, we're doing everything tiki bar. The auto's shrunken head. Right yeah, another like that. Those huh. are, they're kind of tiki bars, but they're not, like, Like a they don't hybrid, have the, like a... Like some kind of like, you know, tiki, you know, punk bar or something. Yeah, like, or, like Zombie Hut in Brooklyn. Right, is, exactly. Is like that. Yeah, and they're, uh, you know, they're they're fine. They're fun bars, but yeah. but the the whole Trader Vic's thing was this very elaborate. Yeah. Like the, the real full tiki bar is yeah. always super elaborate decor, food, complicated drinks, you know, well executed. Yeah. We've seen it in other cities. San Francisco has, you know, the award-winning Smuggler's Cove, right? Martin Cates. Yeah, and, and there's a Forbidden Island exactly. in, in Oakland. Uh, and you go in, you know, from. you go into Smuggler's Cove, you can get, you know, literally uh, a flaming drink that, you know, four people can drink, but it's actually delicious. There's obviously still the Tonga Room inside the Fairmont. I mm-hmm. think it's, I, it was, people were going to try to close it, but it, it, it survived. It survived. It's, it's, it's still there, yeah. I mean, it's a huge, huge bar. It's got, it's got part of an actual sailing ship inside yes, of it. Yes, you and, know? <laughs> and I think it was, I could be wrong, but I think it was the pool of the hotel. Yeah. And, like, a band comes out on the little island and then retracts. Yeah. And you sit around, the table sit around, and, and the drinks come in these giants. They're not very good, but, but they are big. No, no, I tried a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. And um, I, I won't say what bartender, but he was like, Great place to go order beer in a bottle. Yeah. Like not even in a glass, just a yeah. bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. I mean, most of the drinks were mm-hmm. pretty terrible. But but on the other hand, like Smuggler's Cove, you know, is obviously famous for their, you know, wonderful drinks. They have an amazing rum selection. Yeah. You know, there's a whole society that I think if you try enough of them, you get inducted and you get to wear like a cool little fez hat. You know, yeah, yeah. It seems very Trader Vic to me. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is this is all in San Francisco right. where the climate could not be more different <laughs> from, say, the Solomon Islands. Or well, further from the Caribbean. Yeah. Right. And in New York here, the climate in right. the summer is exactly like it was on Guadalcanal. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. And there's a whole new... It's disgusting. There's a whole new kind of generation of tiki bars that have yeah. opened. I mean, I guess... Smuggler's Cove really has kind of kicked that off when it opened. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, Chicago, which also, I mean, frozen yeah. tundra there, you know, six yeah. months of the year, yeah, maybe yeah. eight months. But you have, you know, three dots and a dash. Lost Lake. Lost Lake, like, which is, which is yeah. lovely, yeah. And, I mean, it's maybe it's one of these things where it's so cold and gray there that people want some kind of escape, mm-hmm. you know, that they're looking for holiday in a glass, but I, I don't know. But I, I mean, we've had so many attempts here in New York. The great Julie Reiner, the absolutely oh. wonderful bar owner, had Lanikai, uh, which wasn't full on tiki, but it had tiki drinks and it was it was oh, tropical it. and uh, lovely, lovely yeah. place. Excellent food. Yeah. And it just didn't really catch on. I thought of all of them, that one probably had the best shot. Oh, yeah. Julie grew up in Hawaii. Like, yeah, she knew she, everything she about knew. this. Brian Miller, you know, yeah. who's you know well-known New York bartender who's sort of addicted to tiki culture. It was so set up to succeed, and you know, it's one of those things in New York where I think you just have all the elements, and it doesn't work out. And sometimes you have all the elements, and it becomes an international sensation. It's got me kind of wondering if it has something to do with New Yorkers, maybe. You know, because you think of people who come to New York. You know, most people right. who live here aren't native, or at least most people who who. Uh, live here and can afford to go to expensive right. tiki bars. You know, they've come here for right. for something. They've come here to be New Yorkers. And part of that image of New Yorker isn't like 
wandering around in a, in a tiki shirt and shorts and maybe a number of extra pounds that you put on by eating poo-poo platters and, and, and drinking uh, uh, scorpion's fangs and, or, or, yeah. and all that stuff. It might be a little uh, yeah, outside of the self-image of the New Yorker to... Well, it doesn't uh, fit with like the, you know, the sort of slow, easy nature of tiki, you know, yeah. where you're kind of relaxing and time moves slowly and... We never shut down, you know, fast playing, you know, <laughs> drinks, you know, slamming down three martinis, you know, in, a, in an hour, you know, it doesn't fit. And, and I think you're right, because a lot of the people also visiting New York, they're not coming here to have my ties no, and no. hang out, like put their toes in the guanas, God forbid. Um, <laughs> but they're here it's a to, good way to lose your toes. Right, you know, they want, you know, a martini in, you know, yeah. Times Square. They want a Manhattan. They want that different make-believe experience. They, exactly. they want the 1930s skyscraper movie exactly. experience. Men with fedoras and yeah. women with strings of pearls and all that. Exactly. I mean, it is funny because as the tiki movement itself petered out in New York, I think mm -hmm. in a lot of New York Chinese restaurants sort of picked up, you know, aspects of tiki. So, like, through the 80s and 90s, you could find thoroughly not Chinese food in Chinese restaurants. Oh, like yeah. The, poo-poo platter, the spare ribs, you know, scorpion bowls. Like, for some reason, there was this weird kind of hybrid Chinese yeah. tropical. It gave you the uh, culinary experience without the worrying catch. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And then you could also get lo mein if you wanted. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I mean, exactly. I remember, you know, as a kid going to, you know, all these different Chinese restaurants. And it didn't really seem discordant at the time but now it seems a little weird yeah <laughs> you pair some giant you know uh, flaming drink with uh, you know uh, an egg roll it makes no sense yeah, i was living out in the suburbs in the 70s when i was going to high school and uh, we always went to the the, the same the polynesian right. chinese polynesian right. restaurant exactly like china and polynesia right. have anything to do with each other <laughs> you know right it's always just weird okay maybe it's something about tiki where it, it almost has to like graft onto a host you know, yeah, like it's not yeah, yeah. like because so much of it is mythical. And, and New, New York's a tough host, I think. Right, and I and and so much of the like drinks Trader Vic or Don Beach kind of dreamed up themselves and mm -hmm. dreamed up, you know, or what what Americans thought Polynesia was, not based upon our experience of going to Polynesia, no. but what we believe Polynesia to be yeah. created tiki. So it's with them, and the drinks were all basically Caribbean, right? You know. But with different names right. and uh, some the people in Polynesia drink rum. Who knows? You yeah, know, like yeah. they have orange juice. We don't know. We don't like, know. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> We've never been. Is it? Do they drink flaming drinks? They're pyromaniacs. They do now. Right? <laughs> and it's so uh, you know. I think when, especially as we've gotten ever more serious about yeah. cocktails, like you can go the route of like Smuggler's Cove, where down in you know New Orleans, our friend Beach Bum Berry, you know Jeff Berry, who's Try to solve some of the Don Beach riddles for his yeah. recipes. He's the and, historian of the industry, right, of the and, tiki you know, industry. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, secrecy between Trader Vic and Don Beach about some of their recipes mm. and trying to figure out what was actually in the zombie. But that's that's one aspect. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tradition is gaudy and colorful. Right. It's not that deep. I'm encouraged that there's a whole new generation of bars in New York, right? Like, yeah. when we were talking about Brian Miller, like, for a long time after he left Lanny Kai and before that, he was at Death & Co. And he is Mr. Tiki here, and you mm -hmm. know, he has a new bar called The Polynesian, of course, in, uh, which is part of the major food group, which also redid the space. It's not the Four Seasons restaurant, but it's the two restaurants inside of 
what was the Four Seasons right. restaurant. Um, so, uh, you know, that's on top of the Pod Hotel on the far west side. So. It's funny they're calling it the Polynesian because yeah. Polynesia or Polynesian is the name of the tiki bar the Cuban government opened in the Trader Vic's space when they took over the Havana Hilton. So, <laughs> that was pretty funny. It's, uh, I think, I just realized that. Right. I said, wait a minute. You know, it's funny they call it that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how the Polynesian works out. Yeah. It's a major investment. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it worked in Chicago with Three Dots and a Dash, yeah. which was a major investment by the Lettuce Entertain You group. Right. It's not, and, you know, not uh, that different. Which is ways. not that different, right. And the major food group has made its uh, bones here in New York by taking old New York uh, institutions and reimagining them like for uh, for modern uh, consumption, such as the Red Sauce Italian joint, oh, yeah. the Steakhouse, right. the uh, you know the, the Four Seasons yeah, the four, yeah. is, a, is a major thing. But yeah. uh, so uh, we'll see the oyster, yeah. the oyster bar, things like that. We'll see. We'll see how this works. And then you have other places like Mother of Pearl and Diamond Reef and mm-hmm. some smaller ones that are kind of maybe not full-on tiki, but embrace aspects of tropical. Yeah. I mean, even New Orleanders. Yeah, it? Latitude 29. And then also you have Canaan Table, which is from the Neil Bodenheimer and, you know. Uh, and then, and that's more of kind of a... Well, they call it like proto-tiki. I think they yeah. they, I think they were going to open up a tiki. They, they run Cure, which is just won the James Beard Award for best bar program in, in America in uptown New Orleans and they were going to open up a tiki bar and I think Beach Bum announced that he yeah. was going to open yeah, it like, all right, we're not going to compete like, with no, that okay okay yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's back up so there's like kind of a what they call proto tiki which I think in some ways is better because it gives them more freedom yeah, to do whatever exactly. they want, you know, like it, it's know, less, they have to worry less about the kitsch right, and, and they can focus a little more on the execution of what right, they're exactly. making. Yeah, so. And Beach Bump has definitely gone full kitsch. It looks like you've gone back to yeah. the sixties or seventies in there. I was very excited when Lanny Kai opened and I you mm-hmm. know, went there quite a bit. And I am encouraged that like we have these new generation of tiki bars. I still feel like Trump's curse may haunt us. Um, I'd like to see one way around it is New York has such a great maritime history. You know, we always sailed down to uh, the Caribbean. We people, New York was the the biggest port in America. And, you you know, if you, if you did like a waterfront bar, you know, like ports of call as your theme, something like that, that, that kind of taps into the wanderlust of the New Yorker, but makes it a little more, and, and, about us and the you northeast know? you know back in the day in colonial times oh it was, was i mean there are a lot was, of rum distilleries yeah I mean, yeah, yeah you know there's like horrific molasses flood that you know swamps boston at, at the end i'm of the, sorry i do have to laugh i know yeah it was it, terrible it was ter- i mean it was really but also crazy. very funny yeah it was I mean, uh, yeah in 1919 uh these huge storage tanks full of molasses you know 30 40 feet high uh, rupture in a heat wave. Used for yeah, rum. yeah, but they were trying to get in some last rum distilling before prohibition, and uh, it literally like just a tidal wave of yeah ran through the north end, <laughs> just destroyed the north end. Which yeah, we have a great story that uh, our, our rum expert Wayne Curtis wrote a couple of years ago for the Daily Beast, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's one of those horrible people died. Yeah, I mean it's one of the, they drowned in molasses. It's which one of, sucks. it's one of the weirdest historical events that I can think yeah. of. I mean it's just you can't make it up. I used to go up to Boston a lot in the 70s and 80s, and on a hot day in the North End, it still smelled like molasses yeah. back then. I think yeah. it's gone by now. Yeah. But uh, so that permeated. was, you know, that was 
50 years afterwards so wow yeah 60 and, years afterwards but, but getting back to your idea yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i think you know we're, we're so close there's so many new yorkers who have come from you know the caribbean yeah. puerto rico the dominican republic if anywhere we should have you know a tropical bar it should be yeah. here but you but know. i mean we, we could make it maybe a little less kitschy which is and, <laughs> yes. and a little more new york right absolutely the service will be more faster. sophisticated yeah. I, I don't mean, know i i, I mean, i'm just wondering how you appeal to new yorkers with on this same ground because uh we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens with yeah. polynesian i hope it works yeah uh, I mean, I, there was, you know, Painkiller, you know, yeah, a couple which, of years ago, which yeah. then, you know, the Giuseppe Gonzalez. And, yeah, that one burnt out very quickly. It was yeah. a great bar, though. Yeah, it was a great. And they had a lot of frozen, almost ahead of their time. Yeah, and that was kind of, that. but that that one, I think, would have had legs. They, they closed, not for yeah. business reasons, because that one was very tied into 1970s New York. Right. And punk rock and Puerto Rican New York. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this this real, like deep into the DNA of New York. Yeah. And I think that's the stuff that succeeds best here. Yeah. Other stuff, theme stuff doesn't do so well. Yeah. For I mean, there are exceptions, sure. but usually it's looked at as being for tourists and people don't like it. And I think that also at this point, it, it's sort of like some of the um, molecular mixology or gastronomy mm-hmm. that it, in itself, those bars or restaurants weren't successful, but aspects of that type of drink making or cooking have now entered the yeah. general, you know, restaurants and bars so that, you know, you can find frozen drinks, you know, at, you know, a lot of bars in New mm-hmm. York now around the country, you know, that are good, that are, you know, kind of yeah. almost ironic, but then past the point of being ironic and now we're just... Well, it's coding. the same attention to detail, you right. know, that uh, that makes uh, a bar like Latitude 29 so successful is... You go in and yes, it's got like uh, kitschy tiki drinks, but then you taste them right. and they're just wonderful. Yeah, these things are well thought out. They're balanced. They're not just a bunch of fruit juice dumped into a clay mug with a grim- <laughs> grimacing deity on it. Right. You know, there uh, there's actual uh, thought that goes into it. Maybe the key is to to have all of those drinks, but serve them in coops and rocks glasses. <laughs> yeah. and, oh, there you go. You know, like there you play, go. You know, there and you I'm not sure people would even notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could just have the same menu, yeah. but just present it like it was a total normal bar. Yeah, and people would love it. I mean, yeah, play nineteen fifties jazz. You know? Right, exactly. I don't know how our our idea would go over with some of the tiki faithful. Um, uh, they would not. Enjoy that so much. <laughs> Some of my dearest friends are, are complete stone tiki people. There and it and, and when and when you it, say it takes that, a special person to do that. They literally will show up every at every party, yeah, every event in full on tiki. Like I oh, don't, yeah. I don't oh, mean yeah. like they're not like dressing like the dude from the Big Lebowski. I mean no, they no. are dressing like a sophisticated world traveler. In the fifties, on a Braniff Airlines, Hawaii. <laughs> you know what I mean, like they yeah. are. You Who's know. just been to Hawaii and bought the right. best shirt at the Literally. best stop, at the best shop? Exactly. Yeah. Like these yeah, yeah. are like yeah. not cheap clothing. This is no. like high antique. Oh, yes. they, they collect vintage vintage uh, Hawaiian shirts. Right. They would not be happy, but in New York, it's not a huge community. You know, I just I, and I think to be honest that a lot of these bars have gone out of their way to satisfy that group. Yeah, and that group. Like isn't big enough to really sustain a full bar, right? Yeah, and that's like, you know, that, that, like, that's that's what I've 
seen over over the years. You know, it's a it's a great group, and they have the best parties right. in New York, and uh-huh. you know some of the most interesting people I know. But in New York, it's a real like it takes a real commitment to live like that. You yeah. know, it's a, and the sheer number of like drinks that you need to serve to pay the rent and everything is just yeah. I mean, maybe in other cities you could get away with that. Yeah, you can have a, you can have a smaller exactly, crowd. And, yeah, or you could yeah. do like a. Like a real serious tiki bar inside of another bar yeah. or something like a. But in New York, it's just you, you, you got, you got to make bank. Yeah, as much as I hate to say this, maybe Trump was right. Maybe it is too tacky. Like <laughs> I don't. Uh, no, I don't know. no, I don't know. no. I don't, we just don't deserve it. That's we all don't deserve. It is. <laughs> That's all it is. We just maybe don't right. deserve it. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see what happens. But these uh, things come and go too. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, yeah. what what is what is tacky and what's not is. Is constantly changing. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, for a while, the uh, sleeve garter and uh, huge bushy right. beard and, and vest was considered to the height of cool. Right. Now it looks tacky. Right. You know, so there's I, that. Yeah, I mean, who knows? The pendulum may swing back. Well, either way, I, I think uh, it's time for a tiki drink. This weather is definitely inspiring. Yeah, I think a missionary's so. downfall for me. <laughs> exactly. Giant Mai Tai. Yeah. Would be, uh, would be a nice way oh, to finish out drink. the day. and. Oh, boy, does that sound pleasant. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.